You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thank you so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we are going to go through the four major market situations you should avoid aggressively trading. And I literally stress the word aggressively here because that is the key word. It's not necessarily that you shouldn't avoid trading altogether, but that in many cases you should avoid being overly aggressive with either your positions or your position sizing. So I'm absolutely a fan of trading and being very active. I think it's one of the qualities that ultimately will make market direction more meaningless for you over time. The more often you trade, the more that each individual day becomes less and less important. So the key here is if you're going to start trading and you're going to be aggressive about your your trading that you're doing, you probably want to start to avoid some of these market scenarios or at least scale back dramatically in how you trade during these types of environments. So again, we're going to go through all four of these here today. As always, if you want to catch the written version or the transcript of this, you can head on over to optionalpha.com slash show 156. That's just the number 156 optionalpha.com slash show 156. So the first one here that you want to avoid aggressively trading is buyouts and mergers. And it should be no surprise here that buyouts and mergers can obviously create huge price fluctuations in the underlying stock. But the cause for concern in many respects is not necessarily the initial jump, which nobody can predict or expect unless you have insider information, but is what happens if the deal falls through or gets held up or there's a change in the pricing. So what I've seen a lot of people try to do is they try to play a buyout or merger announcement because you see the stock price immediately jump up and then it holds steady at the potential buyout price. So let's say a stock is trading at $80, some company comes in and offers to buy the company for $100 a share, immediately the next day the stock trades up to $100 and stays right around $100 a share. So most people would then try to layer on top of that an option strategy where you can make money from the stock basically trading sideways until the end of the buyout period or until the transaction is complete. The problem with this is twofold. One, the options market knows this as well. So as soon as a company announces a buyout or a merger and the stock now jumps to say $100 and starts trading sideways, implied volatility all but shrivels up and disappears. And so the expected you know, payout that you have from selling at the money options or trading something neutral is just not as great because everyone and their brother also knows that this company is going to get bought for $100 a share. So why would they bid up options on either end knowing that the eventual price is going to be around $100? The second reason that this is problematic when you start to trade is because the deal may not go through or it may actually change. And so what a lot of people also do is they try to play the opposite side. They try to aggressively buy options on either end of the price that's being offered, say $100 a share, hoping that the deal falls through or that the deal goes higher. But it may or may not do any of those things. The deal could go through just very simply and easily. The shareholders at the acquiring company could come in and offer more money or they could offer less money after doing more due diligence or they could get you know bogged down in court or legal proceeding. I mean, there's so many things that could happen 
you just don't know if actually the offer price is going to be the actual true closing price. So for that reason, it's hard to predict what happens in either directions. For me, this is a no trade situation. I know people like to trade this. I'm not disputing the fact that there's probably people who do a really good job trading these environments. For me, this is just not a territory that I like to step into. As a guy who was in mergers and acquisitions, I knew what prices were going to be in advance and still things reacted totally differently. Deals fell through completely after the announcement. Offers were much higher as you had other you know competing companies come in and try to do a hostile takeover. I mean, it was crazy. So I just don't think it's something that you can honestly predict or even, you know, try to trade enough to make a system out of. All right. So market situation number two is low liquidity. This for me is probably a, an environment where I would do almost no trading, or if I did trading, I would do very, very limited trading. And it would have to be a really good opportunity. It'd have to be a, you know, kind of five out of five stars type of trading opportunity that comes up, you know, and it's just too good to pass up even with low liquidity. But when you get into a market that has low liquidity, it makes it very difficult to make trades that are worth it for you. And then that's just really what it is because it takes a lot of effort to get the trade filled. And then if you actually get the trade filled, there's no telling when you're going to get out of the position when you want to get out of it because there's no liquidity. So you have to kind of almost bid somebody into taking the other side of your trade, which means that you're going to have wider spreads and ultimately it's going to be more difficult to make money. So to me, this is a margin game when it comes to liquidity. You are trading in low liquidity. That means you've got to have a big fat margin of potential profit that you really feel confident in to be able to go after this position because you're going to lose some of that in liquidity, whether it's on the trade entry or getting out of the position, not being able to get out when you have a great opportunity to get out. Uh, just nobody's there and available. Uh, oftentimes I use, you know, like low ETF and REIT stocks that are just no options activity at all. I mean, maybe one or two contracts. And the thing I tell coaching students is, do you want to be the only fish in this baby swimming pool? Because that's what you're going to be. You could trade 10 contracts, but who's to say that anybody's going to be on the other end of this, this, you know, position. So for me, I'd really try to avoid low liquidity. Again, it's got to be a really good scenario like almost perfect setup. And even still, I would do it in a very small position size just in case. All right. So scenario number three in which you should probably avoid aggressively trading is low volatility. And I want to touch on this for a little bit because I know this can sometimes be a little bit of a point of confusion, generally because we like to trade during high implied volatility. But as we've said in numerous podcasts, shows, training on the website, we still are actively trading during low implied volatility markets. So when the VIX is low and markets are generally rallying and volatility is low across the board, that does not mean that we stop trading completely. Far from it. We'll still be very active in our trading. We'll still ladder into positions, add different ETFs and uncorrelated tickers to our portfolio. We just won't do it aggressively. So whereas in a regular, say, high implied volatility market, where the VIX is much higher, stocks maybe are falling, and option premium is swelling, in those types of scenarios, we might be allocated, say, 30 to 50% of our account. We might have an oversized account and really trying to go after that rich, high implied volatility premium because we know, historically, that's the best opportunity for trading. So when it's the opposite, which happens more often than not, and we have low implied volatility markets where the VIX is low and there's not really a lot of option premium, we want to scale back our position size. We still want to be active traders. We still want to be actively laddering positions and adding uncorrelated tickers, but maybe our position size overall gets scaled back to say 15 to 20% of our account and we leave the vast majority in cash. 
And the reason I personally do this is because I know after having traded for more than a decade now that implied volatility will return. And when it returns, that is the kiss of death for options traders. So I would rather be under allocated heading into a potential you know, meteoric rise in implied volatility as opposed to being super aggressive and over allocated and then one slip up and I lose a bunch of money because I've got too much on. So to me, this is a no brainer. When implied volatility is low, we still want to be active traders. We just want to scale back our position size. To me, that's, you know, 15 to 20% allocation tops. We scale back our individual contracts and ticker sizes you know, to around 1% to 2%, depending on how many opportunities we can find. But again, we still want to be actively trading. There's still an, ex- an implied volatility positive expected premium we can collect even during low implied volatility markets. We just want to scale back. All right, so market situation number four in which you should avoid aggressively trading is strong rallies. And strong rallies just have a lot of the same characteristics of things that we have been talking about. They have low volatility, and in some cases, almost insanely low volatility. It seems like in many respects, they often start to get rid of liquidity to some degree because people don't feel the need to buy options or buy insurance. Why do that? The market's rallying so strong, just buy the underlying stock. So we get a little bit of low liquidity, and we start to get this parabolic start uh, move in the stock price. And this creates a couple of scenarios in which it could be really difficult for an option selling trader like you or like me to trade in these markets. One, the implied volatility is low, so premium is practically non-existent or very, very small. And then two, with strong rallies, that basically sets up a perfect storm for a sharp market correction. Now, we said this back in September and August of last year, right before the market had its you know pretty sharp drop as it went towards the end of the year, we knew that at some point that was going to happen. Did we know it was going to happen September, October? Of course not. I don't know when it's going to happen and it's going to happen again, but we knew that we were setting ourselves up for that type of scenario. So we scaled back position size. We didn't do a lot of trading. We kept it small. We kept it diversified with our tickers because we know in those environments, immediately when the market goes down, we get a sharp reversal in price, which hurts our positions. And we get a spike up in implied volatility, which also hurts our positions. So to me, having a a strong rally is kind of like a no-no trading zone for me. I also don't like to aggressively trade the direction of the, the rally. So a lot of people might say, well, if you are in a strong rally and you know you're in a strong trending market, which is hard to predict to begin with, then you should just sell put spreads and take advantage of that. But the problem is, is when implied volatility is so low and nobody's fearful and they're not buying put option protection, you're basically selling put spreads right below the market. And so uh, 2 or 3% move down and immediately your put spread position blows up. And not only that, but you're selling put spreads for a much cheaper premium than you otherwise would have gotten in a regular or higher implied volatility market. So to me, it's almost like why would I step in front of a possible freight train that might be coming down the line when I can just as easily trade small, you know, be a little bit active in trading, but keep a lot in cash so that I can basically be a lot more active when a better opportunity presents itself. And this can be difficult. I mean, I'm telling you honestly, this is undoubtedly one of the hardest things for traders, I think, to get over and, and to get past mentally and mindset and psychologically, because it's hard to sit on the sidelines or to be small in some cases and not go after these huge potential gains. But 
again, to me, it's it's a no-brainer because I wouldn't cram a bunch of positions knowing that at any point, at any point I could wake up and the market could be down 5%, 10%, and all those positions blow up. I would rather have a little bit of this sliding scale allocation, whereas the markets rally and implied volatility is low, I slide my allocation down in preparation of it. That's kind of like if a storm is coming on the horizon, you kind of batten down the hatches, close the doors, lock the windows, right? Start a fire, get some food reserves. It's the same mentality for me. So I think about that very much the same with strong rallies. So hopefully this helps out. I get a lot of questions on, you know, when should we not trade? I think there's probably, you know, a couple opportunities, obviously, when you shouldn't trade low liquidity, mergers and buyouts. When you're in low volatility and strong rallies, you should definitely avoid aggressively trading, really scale back some of your positions and position sizing. And again, it's not to say you can't trade. It's just you should just be really cautious about how you're doing it. So hopefully this helped out. As always, if you guys have any questions, let me know. Just head on over to the show notes page at optionalcom slash show 154. All right. Now, before we get into the trader Q&A segment, I want to, again, give a quick shout out to one of our members in the community who left us a review on iTunes, which I really appreciate as always, because we love getting these reviews. So if you haven't left a review, please head on over to iTunes or Google or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to it. But Layton said the best education and income trading on the web. He said, I'm a new member here at Option Alpha. Really enjoyed it. I don't have to be a paid member to learn great options information on the website as well as the podcast. I became a member because I wanted to get serious and make some extra income trading. So I appreciate that very much, Layton. As always, really helps out just to kind of spread the word about what we're doing here at Option Alpha. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hi, Kirk. This is Brad. I'm from uh, up in northern Minnesota. It was my first experience of a podcast with you. It was absolutely fantastic. I'm um, completely new to options trading, so I don't know. I have lots of dumb questions, so I'll ask you one. You know, when you show those 90% trades, you know, you trade at 70. I'm just curious, if it's 90% chance of winning, I know the, you know, you don't win much, but why not just do that, you know? So that's my question, and I'm sure it's because I don't understand something. I know you say that it's 70%, it's best, but just a newbie question. Thanks. All right. So Brad, thank you so much for first submitting your question and for being a first time listener. That's awesome. And there are no dumb questions on the podcast or on the website. That's what we're here for. Honestly, everyone's asked the same question a number of times. And if you've asked it, probably a bunch of people have asked it before you. So that's what I tell people. There's no dumb questions. Let us know what your questions are. We love hearing from you guys. I want to hear what questions you have so we can make better content for you. So again, Brad's question really is, if you're going to do 90% trades versus 70%, why not just do 90% trades all the time? And this is a, a really interesting question because intuitively you think about it and you're like, if I have an opportunity to make a trade and win 90% of time, why on earth would I try even 70% of the time? But the reality is, is that markets are efficient. So the answer is, is that both trades are effectively the same thing. And in many respects for in a totally efficient market should be about the same. If you win nine out of 10 times, when you win, you should not collect more money than when you win seven out of 10 times. So when you win on a 90% probability of success trade, you may win, say, 80 cents on the dollar. 
When you win 70% of the time, you may win 120 cents on the dollar or some metric that makes it generally even across the probability spectrum. So what I say to people often is that if you want to trade out to the 90% probability level, you're absolutely more than willing to do that. But the further and further you go out, the lower the liquidity is going to be and the faster option premium dries up. So you might win 90 or 95% of the time, but you might be collecting just a couple dollars every single time. It may not be worth it to go that far out. What we've seen in testing and research is that around a one standard deviation is about accurate for how far out you should be. It's not perfect in every market environment. It's not perfect in every scenario, but as a general benchmark, you could be trading out around the one standard deviation level. And so what that does is that when you get out to around a 70% combined probability of success, you get to a point at which the premium is enough to make it worth the trade and the probability of success is more than the 50% coin flip that the system actually starts to work in a more efficient manner. It's a more efficient use of capital and margin as opposed to going all the way out to the 90% probability of success level. Yes, you may win more, but every time you win, you're going to win just a little bit less than you would if you sacrificed your win rate just a little bit, came in closer on the stock and won a little bit less often. But when you did, you made more money And sometimes you actually generate faster profits that way because of time decay and volatility. So hopefully that helps out. As always, if you want to get your question answered here on the podcast or on Facebook and YouTube, as we've been doing those lives over on Facebook and YouTube, head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask and click the big red button in the middle of the screen. Again, there is no software to download or install. It's very, very easy to do. And you can just leave your question here and we'll get it queued up for the next show. All right, so let's get into the closing bell segment where we'll discuss a new trade that we're making right now in XRT. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so this new trade that we made today in XRT is a pretty standard entry for us, but... It is one of our new positions that we're getting into so that we can add another uncorrelated, high-targeted ETF to our portfolio. So as we've been doing recently is we did a lot of research on these tickers that we're trading and trying to figure out what mix of ETFs and uh, indexes we want to trade. What gives us the best mix of uncorrelated tickers so that we get the most bang for our buck in the diversity category as possible. And one of the ones that we want to trade is XRT. XRT tracks basically retail in general. And so it's a good sector to use as a diversification metric in our portfolio because we get exposure to the retail, you know, shopping online, brick and mortar type businesses. So for us, we want to get into this. This is our new position for May expiration. This is our first in XRT. We have planned a couple laddered entries. And as always, we're doing an iron butterfly given that it has really low implied volatility. Now, again, this is a good example of what we were talking about today on the podcast where XRT right now has really low implied volatility. It's actually in about the fifth IV rank, which is insanely low. But that doesn't mean that we want to avoid trading it. The benefit that we get is that we still are trading a positive expected outcome strategy in this nice wide iron butterfly. 
and we have risk-defined metrics and a small position size. So if the market was to completely go bananas and blow up in either direction, we would still have an opportunity to roll this position potentially, adjust this position potentially, and if none of that happened, we wouldn't be killed by losing on this, even if we lost the full amount. So our position size is really, really small, and generally XRT has actually been moving in a sideways fashion over the last two and a half months. So for us, if XRT continues to move sideways, that actually is going to be good for us. In XRT, we're selling the at the money strikes at 45 and then buying really cheap protection on further wings at 49 on the call side and 40 on the put side. This total protection costs us about $20. So the cost of adding this cheap protection to create the iron butterfly is 20 bucks. And that still leaves us with a $217 credit. Now, this is exactly why I trade a lot of these iron butterflies during low implied volatility. When we see high implied volatility, I trade a lot more straddles and strangles and regular naked options. But when it's low implied volatility like this, as we mentioned, I think on last week or the week before his podcast, this is the time where you can buy really cheap protection and effectively just create a straddle position with cheap insurance. And so that's all an iron butterfly is. We're selling the at the money strike, being aggressive and selling the premium that has the most amount of time decay and volatility decay that we could possibly squeeze out of this position. And then we're just using the fact that we're in a low implied volatility market right now to buy really cheap protection on either end of the option pricing table. And so for 20 bucks, we control our risk completely. If there's a major market move or black swan event because it's low implied volatility, the market's been rallying lately, we're not gonna get killed in this. And we have an overall low allocation. So to me, this is the type of trading that we should be doing. We're only doing three contracts, so it's really controlled, really small position sizing. I would rather do this and kind of do a steady system of trading and wait for a better opportunity to really scale into. Because right now, if you did a big position in this and the market had just some knee-jerk reaction in either direction, you lose a ton of money. So again, this is why we like doing these iron butterflies in this market environment because it adds really controlled risk-defined metrics to our portfolio and still allows us to aggressively trade those inside at the money strikes like a straddle. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show 156. Again, that's just the number 156, optionalpha.com slash show 156. And until next time, happy trading.